0: Welcome back to another episode of The Road to CEO. I'm here today with the great Nathan Green, the co-founder and CEO of New Level Radio, which delivers customizable radio networks for hundreds of businesses all over the US, including major casinos like the MGM Grand, the Palms, the Mirage and Mandalay Bay. Nathan, thanks so much for joining me on Road to CEO. Thank you so much. I'm so
1: happy to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out and looking forward to chatting for sure. And Did I get everything in that? Intro, right? Yeah, I think that was that was that was a heck of an intro. You bet. Yeah, we. Uh, I think you nailed it as far as kind of our 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 initial kind of uh, outreach and plan for sure. So so let's start at the beginning. What's New
0: Level Radio all about?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So New Level Radio, we are the go to provider for music for casinos and hotels across the country. So we come in with a completely curated approach. Um, and we really dive into who's in the space, uh, how, how long they're in the space. And then obviously, if there's deviation and demographics throughout the days and the weeks. And then we actually curate playlists, um, as well as promos that we curate for these businesses from scratch. So really, we're, we're more of a kind of bespoke service than your typical background music, right? So uh, up until, you know, the last probably 10 or 12 years, you kind of had your your Musacs, your Sirius XMs, and that was really the the limitation of kind of background music, if you will. Um, we uh, we had kind of a, a different strategy about 16 years ago to kind of curate more of a radio station type feel, um, a more of an experience, a client driven relationship that kind of taps into music rather than just hey, let's just throw on you know the 80s channel for this demographic and see how it works. So. That, that's kind of how we, uh, you know, got into it. That's a little bit how what the business is about, you know, and really our whole goal is to be a resource for our clients, not only from music side, but also from an ROI side, right, by being able to generate revenue through the promotions that we create. And then in between that, just have a wonderful music program that speaks to who's in the space.
0: So so talk more about that is the what, what kind of promos? Are, are we talking about like radio commercials that are interjected into Uh, into the playlist throughout the day? Is that how that works?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So our goal was to not only just like a radio station, not only to have great music, but to have a platform where guests uh, and customers could be engaged in what's going on in the property, as well as have a chance to act on those um, promotional events. So what we do is we write, produce, schedule, uh, promo clips that play typically on the casino floor or any other areas that are high traffic areas, those promos will cover anything from uh, concert events, food promotions, restaurants, new openings, things like that. And, and we really encourage our clients to track those. Um, and, and the way we do that is by having them only promote something in in property or on store that, that they're not doing anywhere else. So for example, let's say at MGM Grand, you could say, uh, mention MGM Grand Radio for 10% off tickets to Lady Gaga, right? So there's a cause and effect right there. They can, they can see, hey, we sold an extra 300 tickets at X dollars. So it's something that's not only just, you know, us just saying, hey, this works as a marketing vessel, but it's something that's really trackable. So it's nice, too, because we have our own in-house talent. Um, we have a full suite of professional voice actors and actresses that we work with that are on our team. And then we also contract out for specific dialects or languages or things like that. So uh, it really becomes, you know, and hence, that's why we're called new level radio really becomes more of a radio station type vibe, right? We, we also do sweepers. So um, a sweeper is you're listening to Foxwoods radio, or you're listening to Tropicana radio or whatever, whatever they want to name it. Right. So not only we're personalizing the station, but we're also um you know just kind of elevating the experience from just a typical background situation. So do you set up a studio
0: on site for your for your clients or do you do it all from a central studio?
1: Yeah, so we so everything is done off site. We have uh we have computer small computers that live on property at each one of our clients' location. Those computers are connected through ethernet so that we can speak to them in real time. So what's awesome is that You know, we kind of, especially in a casino environment or hotel environment, they're pretty 24-7. So we work in a real-world type situation where, you know, if a promo changes, we can delete that in real time. If they have a playlist that needs to be updated, we can facilitate that and then send the command to the box. So what's nice is that, you know, they, they have all the creative oversight and control, but we do all the heavy lifting. We curate everything. We schedule it. We load it. So, really, as long as the power's on in the building, everything runs seamlessly
0: so talk to me about the technology because you know you started this company seventeen years ago. I would imagine it was a totally different landscape and and it, the clients you serve probably had totally different options than they do today you know what what was that like
1: yeah it's uh you know it's it's always funny to kind of sit back and think about you know kind of how it was back then i mean it's it wasn't that long ago, but obviously in, the, in technology that was, you know, ar- archaic in nature at the time. I mean, we, you know, even when we first got started, I mean, we we had a few clients even up until about seven, eight years ago. They were still getting like cassette tapes mailed out to them from Musac, and that was just like a mind blowing situation. And and even for us, you know, when we first started, we did not have the same technology we had now. You know, we had CDs, we had you know more antiquated systems that just that just weren't as elevated as it is now. So, you know, being able to have a transition of just, um, a box living and and breathing on, on somebody's, you know, network where we can interact with it when needed and and be able to facilitate changes. It just made our life so much easier. And and quite frankly, it's made our clients' lives easier too, because there's not a, there's not a gap in, in being able to change stuff. So that's a big deal for us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I bet. Um, Did, um, did you always want to be CEO? Did you always want to
1: start a company? Yeah. You know, it's, it's always interesting to, to, um, go backwards, I guess, in your mind and kind of figure out how, how we got to where we are in, in our careers or lives. You know, I never, I never necessarily, um, had this vision for myself as far as just thinking about it. I think just as a, as a kid and growing up, um, you know, and, and first jobs I had, you know, I never... I never really felt um, the excitement that I guess you need to really be successful in something. Right. I, I enjoyed some of the gigs that I had. I enjoyed some of the things I did, but I I never really felt uh, a driving kind of passion to, to excel, I guess at at the highest level. Um, When when we started new level radio, it, uh, it it kind of was a slow burn for me to kind of get to this point. Right. Because is, as you probably know as well, you know, when you start a small business or a new company, you know, you're doing it at night or on the side, or you're, you're doing it as you kind of build to see if it's going to work and it has legs. So as we kind of had the proof of concept going, um, that's when I started to see that there's really something here. And and number one, we knew that there was a market for what we were doing. Most importantly, we were feeling a need and a void that was in the space of, of music uh, for businesses. So, and then I think organically what happened was is you just do everything right. I mean, the original plan was you know my co-founder was going to do A, B, and C, and I was going to do D, E, and F. But in the real world world, it doesn't work like that, right? Because there's only a handful of people, so I had to start programming playlists, and I had and I had did sales, and I did uh, licensing stuff that I never knew anything about, you know, all, all those type of things. So mm-hmm. I think when you start getting integrated into those processes, you have a, a real concept of what happens in, in, in the whole business. So as you start to do that and as the business starts to grow, you, you naturally take on additional levels of responsibility. So, you know, I think it's uh it's something that you, you don't necessarily, or at least for me, I didn't necessarily start out and be like, Hey, I want to be the CEO of this company. It was more just, I I want to make sure this is the best company by knowing what the hell I'm doing all the time. So I think that, that really just naturally kind of changed and and as responsibilities change. And as I was kind of taking the lead, so to speak, on doing most of the, most of the day to day, then of course, there's a natural transition just to the leadership role. But, you know, even that is a, is a, is a something that you have to work on all the time, right? Because really managing, you know, managing your business and yourself is one thing. But then as a CEO, managing employees and managing all these other things, that, that really takes a secondary level of, um, of care and, and, and knowledge and um, sympathy and, and all those type of things. So that, that's been a really great learning curve for me too, just to see how I kind of wear these multiple hats throughout, you know, my day-to-day work.
0: I want to re- I want to return to that, but first you said something that's pretty intriguing. You said you knew that there was a market for this service. How did you know there was a market?
1: Yeah, so we when we first started, so I was working in radio and TV at the time, uh out in Hawaii, and a good friend of mine who who was the co-founder of the company, um he was an on-air personality and we started getting requests from some of the clients to uh, could you record a special promo for our business, maybe just with your voice? Cause you're kind of a celebrity. Could you maybe, you know, is there any way we could have some of the music you play on the station? Right. So for us, that was kind of a big aha moment. Like, wow, like this is such an underserved market. And, and I really think there might've been one or one, maybe two other companies that were doing maybe messaging, but no more than that. If not at least maybe one, but maybe not, I can't even really recall, but, We were kind of the first company to really say, no, like this, we're going to take this like a radio station approach with, with breaks, with promos, with really targeted music to who's actually listening. So we really got into more of like the demographic analysis. What's your average age? How long do they stay in your property? Uh, What's their average spend? Do Do they come once a month? Do they just come on Fridays? That type of thing. So once we kind of saw that, wow, like there really is a need for that. Um, and that's the most important thing, right? I mean, you can start a company where there's no, where you're not really, um, affecting the market or making any radical change and it may not work. You know, we, we happened to come in at a time where really there was a need for this and and there still is obviously, of course, but it just was kind of a big paradigm shift in what had been out there before. And since there has been other companies that, you know, do similar things with curation, um, but but the good news is nobody really does exactly what we do, which is great.
0: Yeah. I, I remember hearing somebody say once that the definition of waste is building a product that no one needs. I love it. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it, the market tells you, right? At the end of the right. day, you know, you, you either you put everything out into the ether and you see if it works and, and, and customers in the market will dictate if the business is viable. So luckily for us, you know, especially uh, as you know, as well, it's like building a small company. I mean, we're 16 years in, we're very profitable. We do very well. So, you know, the fact that just that we're be able to achieve that through all the ups and downs of the last 16 years is, is, you know, kind of speaks to the need of what we offer. It's a huge accomplishment. So
0: what, so on day one of your business, you were doing, you thought you'd do ABC and then your partner was going to do D E and F. And that quickly kind of changed a little bit. How did that, were you working part-time? Were you, um, you know, how did it look in the early days?
1: Yeah. So in the early days, absolutely. So I, I had an, I had a full-time job actually working for a TV station. Um, and, and so I just kind of started doing it part-time. The great thing about, uh, one one thing that I did right off the bat is I took I, I took a different job with a substantial substantial pay cut, which was a pretty risky move. But with that with that change, it, it really freed up time for me. I could travel if I needed to for for meetings that we were doing all the time. I mean, I was flying you know to Hawaii five or six times a year because that's kind of Hawaii and Colorado is where we really started with our growth. Um, and, and so that 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 change allowed me to not only have time to do it, but also have kind of the mental capital to, to give this thing a go. So after about probably the, I think it was the third year, third year. So I, 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 I went to my partner and said, Hey, like we're at that point now, like we had, we, this is real. So one of us needs to take this uh, full time. So, so I went ahead and did that. Um, So obviously that kind of catapulted me on, on, on the steps that I am to, to this day to be where I am now because of just taking that leap. And, and I think there's, there's that inflection point for any business, right? I mean, you can start, you can, you can build slowly, um, as a moonlighting or as a part-time job, but at some point, you know, you have to have people that are all in right. To really make the jump. And, and the good news is once I did that, you know, the company just continued to grow and and elevate, which was, which allowed me to kind of keep, keep doing better.
0: Did you, so did you decide to start hiring employees after that? Like, how does, how does that look?
1: Yeah. So we, you know, I, I've, I've always had the philosophy since we started this is to really, to really hire really slow. Um, and, and also I, I learned this, um, after some trial and error with one of our first employees is really just to hire the person, right. To hire the, the personality, the fit. When you're a small company, um, there's not a lot of people, you know, we, we have a, we have a really good group of folks, but um, it's still small staff for the, for the scale that we have. I mean, we're in 27 States of gaming, we're in the largest hotel casinos in the world and some of the smallest. So it's, it's really important. Like I I don't have time to hire people and and fire people quickly. So we really try to be careful with that. Um, So one, one philosophy that this, that I've just had that seemed to work for us is I like to bring people on kind of part-time to start unless it's something that just like, Hey, we need this, you know, technical thing, or we need something that has to be full-time right off the bat. But that's a great way for us to gauge, Hey, is this a good fit for you? And, and, and I, I mentioned one of our core first employees, we, we actually moved her position about three or four different times. And, and there was a few times where I wasn't sure it was going to work because we were trying to put, Uh, you know, the square peg into the round hole, because she was like, I want to do this. And we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's do that. And it's not working out. So through that kind of process of just her being a good hire, we found the best fit for her. And when we got her in a position where she shined the most, she's been incredible. And she's been with us 16 years. In fact, most of the people we have with us have been with us for, you know, most of the time. So, um, but now, especially over the last year, since I've become c e o we've really started to grow, so we've hired about four people in the last year um and and it's just uh it's fun now to kind of see this growth pattern of just me taking some of these things off of my plate that mm-hmm. that I was doing and and at some point it, that becomes a hindrance right i mean if i'm if I'm doing you know sixty percent of all, all that we do is that really the best use of my time? No, it's not. So getting more people that are qualified and that can kind of take those things off of our, our leader's plate, then that, that makes everything run smoother. So um, can
0: you tell me about the, the focus on, on gaming and casinos? How come it's so focused in that area?
1: Yeah, that's another, that's a great question. So, you know, we, we, we got into our first gaming property probably about, probably about three, four years in probably three years in. Um, So initially it wasn't a a large target for us per se. Once we realized that the casino environment was perfect for a curated solution, it was a no brainer, right? Because in a casino you have uh, multiple outlets that have totally different styles of people, right? You might have, you know, if you're in a Vegas casino, you know, the people on the casino floor could be a completely different demographic than the people at the pool or the people that come to your high-end steakhouse, or your Cirque du Soleil. Soleil, So So in that environment where you have multiple F&B outlets, where you have multiple spaces, it really lends itself perfectly for a curated solution. So also too, from us, from just a, from a structural um, profitability, it allows us to have multiple zones of music and multiple areas of music, which obviously is, is, is multiple revenue streams. So um, I think, you know, and gaming and casinos are very marketing focused, right? They have a lot of demographic information on their consumers. They have a lot of um, dim, you know, um, allocation of like where people are, how long they're there. And so for us, we can ingest that and then really create amazing programs for them.
0: So if it, this is just my personal curiosity now, but if you have a casino in Virginia, say, and a casino in California, do you, do you see a lot of similarities in the demographics of the, of the people that go to those casinos?
1: So it's interesting, you know, I think even, even with our properties that have similar demographics, you still see deviation and kind of what the best music is for them. Right. So, um, you know, a casino in Arkansas with 65 to 72 year olds is going to be a little bit different music and style than we'd play in a Colorado casino with the same demo, right? It's um, obviously the influences of music are different in each geographic location. Some of the social um, norms are different, correct? So I think it's, it's, it's fun for us because, you know, every location is, is kind of a blank canvas. And that's really the beautiful thing for, for our clients is that, no, they're not getting just the cookie cutter channel, right? That they're that most other, other services provide. We're actually basing these these programs on who's actually really in your space, and, and and allowing changes based off that, right? So every every program is unique. So let's say you're in a casino in Biloxi, and you know there's a song that just doesn't quite jive for that market. We can take it out because it's not like a XM where. That 80s channel is going to 25,000 other locations, right? So, um, even with a similar demo, it it is always very interesting just as we kind of walk through it with our clients like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe country just doesn't really work in this area where we thought it would, you know? Hey, it's the South. They should love country. Well, not necessarily, right? It's Austin. Maybe they don't, right? You know, so it's, um, and I think most importantly with, with that answer is that it really makes us nimble, right. To, to, to be flexible and to change and to be kind of, um, willing to try other things for, for clients where, where we have that ability to do so. Do you
0: get a lot of client input on what kind of songs should be on the playlist, that sort of thing?
1: Absolutely. I mean, client engagement is really at the core of why I think we've been successful. We have a real monthly, um, connection with our clients through the promo information they send us they're very involved in what's working what's sounding great so it's it's not a set it and forget it type situation and and that makes us a resource for for our clients right they know that if they need to change something or they really have input on a particular genre or playlist that they can do that without without much hassle um and and i think you know it's all about the people is what i've said since we started this and the relationships and that's the truth i mean i I physically go to every single location we have, and that's harder to do now as we grow, but at least every, you know, one year to 24 months in person, have lunch, take notes on the property, be able to kind of know what's going on. And, and that makes it more real world for us because we've been in the spaces. We've, we've had a chance to take that input and sit down with somebody and be like, yeah, you know, the pool music is sounding great, but it's in the afternoon, it's just getting a little too dance vibes and then I can sit there and be like oh yeah because it's they're not getting younger during the day it's staying 55 70 so you know EDM is not going to work right so um I think it's the input is is we want the input and we need the input to facilitate our programs in the best way
0: very interesting um, so you said something I want to come back to. So you, I think you said you used a phrase like, um, you hire for the role for the person and not the role when you're making a hiring decision. Can you talk to that a little more? Like, what do, what do you mean? Yeah, by I th-
1: I think that it's, it's almost, it's, it almost sounds counterintuitive in a way, but I, I really feel for us, that's been the best, the best way that we've gotten the, the most out of our employees. And the reason why is that, we're not, you know, Microsoft, we don't have 75,000 employees, right? We're, we're a small team that really has to work well together. That has to be intuitive on what, what people need and how we can be helpful. So I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff now it's not heart surgery, right? I wouldn't tell you hire for the person if it's heart surgery or a doctor, because that makes no sense. But for what we do, a lot of this stuff can be learned. It can be, Trained, right? I mean, one of the curators we hired a couple years ago um, had no musical background whatsoever. Uh, was an admin and and just loved putting together playlists. So I said, hey man, send me send me a lounge playlist. Send me what you would program on a casino floor from six to ten. Send me a classic rock list for a sports bar, or whatever. And just let him do his thing. And it was awesome. And, and the reason why is because he had a passion for it, right? He had no experience in that in that in that sector, but. I think when you do it that way then you can allow people to grow and for us as our company grows we have more roles that are needed to be filled right we need more admin we need more curators we need more um pr we need more marketing so you know after a while maybe like oh wow like i never knew will was you know had a great voice and he's doing podcasting and maybe we grab him for some voice work, you know, like things like that. Like that's they, those things happen organically when, when you just hire the fit of the personality. And then as a, when the team is gelled, then there's more cohesion on, on supporting each other. So I, I feel like it's worked really well for us.
0: Well, for the record, I am available to do some voiceovers for casinos. I love so. it. Yeah. Yes. Keep me in mind. I'll take
1: you up on that.
0: I will. So what do you wish you had known when you first became CEO that, you know, now, or actually, we could take that back further if you want. So when you first co-founded the company, you know, what, what are what's what's something that you wish you knew back then that you learned later?
1: That's great. Yeah, those are both both great questions. I mean, I think going back to when we started, uh, what I wish I would have learned is, um, I think, and I, and I think subconsciously I knew this, um, or I wouldn't have kept going through the fire. But it's just an over an overnight success is years and years of work. I mean, even, even the Steve jobs and all these, the Elon Musk, like it, you see it when it just blows up, but there's so many years before that. And, and I think I knew that. Um, but there's a lot of days, you know, where you're, you're broke, you're, you know, you're telling your family, like, I, this is going to work. We just have to keep going. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's what I would tell anybody young that's starting, like, if you, if you have a passion for it um, and you feel that it's something you can see through then stick it through and don't, you have to just be okay with it taking time. I mean, you know, we, we grow every year, but it's, you know, it's just a nice, steady growth, which is great. I mean, but it's not like you just wake up one morning and you're, you know, you're just blowing up all over the world. It just doesn't work like that. Even even if you people see that from the outside. So I, I would just say patience. I would tell myself, um, learn as much as you can. And then on the CEO question, I think, um, the biggest thing I've learned is just really being better, at just managing people and letting people just do their thing. Right. And, and I think I've always been good at that, but as we, as we are growing pretty rapidly right now, I've, I've really been trying to set more processes in place. So it's like, if I actually want to, you know, go somewhere for a week and have no phone, which I've never done in 16 years that I can do it. Right. Or if some of our employees want to, you know, go off the grid Um, which we encourage them to do that they don't feel nervous about missing something. So just kind of more um, automation, more uh, processes in place written down where we have things that, you know, are pretty self-explanatory because when you're, when you're smaller, you're kind of just do it right. You're not like sitting like, Hey, let me write down a workflow for this that we can disseminate to 20 people. Like that's just not in your head. Um, and, but now as a CEO, I think it's, it's something that I'm thinking about. And we've, we've really been taking some steps in 2024 to, to do that.
0: So I like to ask this question of every CEO I talked to lately, how has AI affected either the business or yourself personally? Has,
1: has it affected the business? That's a great question. Um, so I would say yes and no, um, of course, AI just in itself is going to affect every business because there's just more tools and resources to automate things or to make things easier. So I fully embrace um, using whatever we can to, to make everyone's workflow and patterns smoother. However, we've always done everything from hand, right? Like we don't, we don't program our playlists like on an algorithm. Like literally we pick every song we drag and drop songs from lists we built before we physically search artists. Right. And I don't see us ever changing that because you just, you know, it's just like analytics in a football game. Right. It's like the analytics tell you 40, you know, 60% of the time to go for it on fourth and four, but that doesn't take into account. Like it's Patrick Mahomes. They're going to get the first down no matter here. Like, or it's like, right. And so I, I take that same philosophy in what we do. It's like, the human touch of what we do is why we've been so successful. It's because people can be like Nathan, Hey, we, you know, we're doing a concert signing tonight with Tiesto in the lobby. Can you, you know, put some songs in there when he does his signing? Like that's, that's something that AI just can't generate. Yeah. I can generate the tracks. I, you could probably tell AI to build you a, you know, 90s soft rock playlist, but is that going to work for, 27 states of gaming you know with multiple demographics and um socio-economic no it's not there's just there's no way we'll ever be the same so i think it's it's a valuable tool i think it's a um it's a tool that's not going anywhere it's kind of like it's it's inevitable it's like just like when we move from tapes to cds to streaming like you're not going to stop it but i think there's a way you can use it responsibly while still um being true to what what we are at New Level Radio which is a curated service. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that that sounds really
0: reasonable um for my own business which is an advertising agency, it has changed the way we prepare for certain things it's changed the way we do first drafts of certain things uh-huh. but it has not changed fundamentally any of the finished products we deliver to clients you know it's not now maybe that's because ai is still in its infancy and you know who i mean which i'm sure it is and it'll be very interesting to see how it progresses but it, it has changed some of our productivity, and in fact, there are some services that we offer now that we wouldn't offer in the absence of AI. You know, certain things around writing that uh-huh. where that where that where the outlines and the first drafts were so time consuming that it just wasn't viable, and now it is more viable to to do some of those services. Um, other than that, it has not really transformed things, at least in my business yet
1: yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, if you can use, you know, if you can use it as a tool to just make more administrative tasks or things to just get, that take so much time to do, I think that's a, that's a huge resource and I'm sure it'll get better and better where it can really, you know, facilitate what you need to have happen. But like you said, I mean, I just, the interaction is, is, is so key with people. I mean, even back to COVID, right. I mean, I, I, I wrote an article like two months into covid like dude this zoom thing all this stuff is awesome but it will never replace just sitting in front of someone it face to face the the cues you pick up the emotions the the pictures you see on their desk you know what's going on in the space there's nothing that will ever trump that because humans just need that that physical interaction with people and i think especially for businesses now you know, so much of that has been lost, right? It's like, ah, we, you know, our teams don't really travel anymore. There's no need. I can just jump on a zoom, blah, blah, blah. Like I, 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 I have, I don't believe in that. Not even in 1%. I mean, the the biggest value I get is, is, is sitting down with the people um, that work with us and that, that are clients and just chatting with them about whatever. And and that's where you build the long-term relationships that gets you clients that are, that are lifetime clients. So I think um, I definitely embrace it, but I don't anticipate it being a replication by any stretch. Yeah,
0: yeah I'd agree with that. And, and you said something else that I want to, I want to jump on. So you, so you're in a business that provides a service to uh, you know, in the entertainment industry. And so what were you thinking in March, 2020, when everybody got shut down, like what, what was going through your head?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm sure most people had that same experience. I mean, for us, you know, every, every single one of our clients was shut for months. I mean, some couple of months, some six, some almost a year. So, you know, that it was a real scare. I mean, I obviously, you know, I was sitting, sitting there thinking like, are we going to have a company after this? And I'm, I know, obviously I'm not alone in that. So I'm not, I'm not lamenting. Like, we're the only ones that experienced that because we absolutely were not. But, um, but that's a scary feeling. You know, I think also too, for me, um, and I don't know if you had any of these similar thoughts, like, you know, we're always going like, I it's, my life is kind of nonstop. So when all of a sudden I went from like being the busiest I'd ever been to having literally nothing to do. I mean, I might get a one email a day, maybe once every three, I mean, um, and those were very just, Hey, we're not sure when we're going to open, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that, you know, that's, that's the biggest was the biggest kind of, you almost have an identity crisis in a way, right? I was sitting there yeah. like, who am I? Like, what, like, if I don't have this, like, do I, do I have anything? Am I just, you know, so I think that was one of the biggest Absolutely. challenges that, that that we had, um, as a company and then me just personally. So, but, you know, I think I, I took that same attitude that I had before is just, of you know, whatever it is, like, we'll we'll get through it. And, and we had to adapt, right? We did, we did, we started doing a lot of COVID messaging, right? So we would, that would be one of our pitches like, Hey, you know, whenever you do open or even for your employees, um, they're essential, right? Because uh, a business that large, like, you know, they're never really shut. Right. I mean, all these things need maintenance and all this stuff. So, Hey, let's promote to them that, you know, messaging about safety, messaging about, you know, Positivity, things like that. So you know, the, you, you everyone had to pivot to survive, um, and and we were lucky enough that not only did we survive, but we we kind of thrived after everything kind of cleared up. So,
0: well, that's that's really interesting. I totally relate to that. I I remember. I'm sure I'll never forget March 2020. I started just getting phone call after phone call after phone call of clients needing to go on pause, needing to to shut down their service because they were getting shut down by the government. And we wanted to treat the, our customers right. You know, we wanted to help them get through, you know, this catastrophe that we're all going through together. But it was it it got to a point where I didn't I didn't want to answer my phone anymore. <laughs> I didn't want yeah. I never had that experience. But, you know, you you know, it's just you know what the call is, you know, it's just, and, and, and really that lasted for maybe two days where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember, I think it was the world health organization, uh, or no, uh, I think Donald Trump shut down the, the, the travel from Europe. And at that point, everybody started canceling. Everybody started, yes. you know, closing things down and, um, and it was just a, a nonstop, you know, nightmare. Um, yeah. so, and, and to your point, it, it gets depressing, you know, so, you know, I felt, you know, I, you know, I, you start to feel some depression kind of come through yeah, because you're sure. going, you're, you're moving so fast, you're interacting with people, you're solving problems, you're making money, you know, everything's going right. And then boom. Now for us, we lost 35% approximately of our revenue overnight. Um, We had yeah. a lot of clients that were B2B companies. They weren't, you know consumer based so they didn't shut down and so that that was was good and then we started getting after maybe 3 or 4 weeks that were really brutal uh then we started getting a lot of phone calls from companies that were expanding companies that were trying to weather you know the the storm you know cuz cuz when times are tough you don't want to necessarily shut down advertising because that's bringing in right. customers so there were four there were probably 3 to 4 weeks where you know you're existing off of a prayer and yeah. uh, and then and then after that things started to turn around and for us it took about 12 months i think to surpass where we were prior to the shutdown you know so we lost the 35% and then you know we started to get it back and then we were in positive territory about 12 months later
1: that's great no oh, that's that's awesome i mean it's you know it's great when you can kind of see that that worst case scenario if you will and then kind of just get through the fire so that, that's awesome yeah so um was covid the maybe was was that the biggest
0: obstacle that you faced in the 17 years that you've you've been with the company yeah
1: i would say i would say for sure yeah that was probably the biggest the biggest scare and the biggest um you know downturn for us absolutely was, was covid you know um obviously you know we had other challenges along the way with you know making sure you know with our licensing partners and making sure we're you know all copacetic there and you know challenges of uh, you know wondering if it was actually going to work you know that that obviously was very scary too when you when you take the leap from from the safety net of uh, benefits and you know a salary and all that kind of stuff but covid was definitely the first time where i was like oh man like if this goes on for another, you know, you know, six months, it's just, you know, most businesses just don't operate on that, on that structure where they can last for more than, I mean, look at a restaurant. I mean, even big restaurant chains, I mean, they're, they're like 30, 60 days from being absolutely wiped out. Right. And and you saw that. I mean, we saw how many places just never came back. Um, So, you know, there was no reason to be in denial. and think that that couldn't happen to your business. And And I think, it absolutely could have so i'm I'm thankful, obviously number one that it didn't, but number two that um everybody kind of had the the wherewithal just to kind of take a breath after a month or so and realize like how how do we pivot from this for sure hmm.
0: what's the biggest uh factor if you can name it um that that's gonna that drives your growth at the moment you know like what what
1: do you think is driving your growth so up until recently, um, probably the last couple of years, it was really just just word of mouth. Um, obviously, you know, in the gaming space, we we have pretty, you know, pretty well known clients. So obviously there's instant credibility there as they're kind of the industry leaders in in, in gaming. So that's been helpful. Um, but over the last couple of years I've really found that um just you know, networking through like LinkedIn. Um, it has been really helpful for our business. We still do a lot of traditional, just reaching out. We, we still do some cold calling. Um, I guess more warm calling would be the, the word, you know, not complete cold, but just, and then just obviously recommendations from clients, you know, our clients love what we do. Um, most of them obviously are extremely happy. So they, they, they're, they're kind of championing our cause when we're out there too. So, you know, we do actually, we don't do a lot of traditional, marketing and advertising outside of some kind of LinkedIn stuff and and things like that. Um, obviously some trade shows, those are helpful for us because those are very specific to, to what we're doing. So that's helpful to get in front of the right people that are, that are looking for kind of marketing solutions. Um, but other than that, just kind of just, just grinding still, you know, and that's, you know, I'm okay with that. You know I mean? I think it's, uh, it's really important, you know, just think about this out loud. Like, it's very important as in the leadership role to, to to never ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I still do all the same stuff that I did when I was, you know, 17 years ago. I still, did, I still cold call. I still do all those things that I would do um, in the beginning because number one, it keeps me grounded and keeps me focused on what it actually takes to achieve growth. Uh, but number two, it's just, it's important to kind of show that uh, that you're willing to do do what it takes to get things done. I
0: I love that. And uh, so um I there's a CEO who said it, so in the advertising space, one of the CEOs that I follow, he said um that he likes to spend a third of his time um focusing on strategic matters, a third of his time on sales and marketing, and a third of his time talking to clients. And I I think that keeps me and Mark. so I I kind of aspire to that. And that and I've always aspired to that. Um, and, and, and at this point, now that the company is a little bigger, I think it does exactly what you just said, you know, it kind of keeps me grounded, keeps me fresh and sharp. Um, and now in the, in the beginning of my company, it was totally different. You know, I, because just by necessity, I spent probably 80% of my time with clients or something, you know, close to that. And so I've been able to kind of reshape by necessity, you know, how I spend my time a little bit. Uh, but i do think it's really important to stay grounded somehow
1: yeah no it, you, yeah you said it perfectly i mean i think it's uh it is very important and it's also it just it it shows your employees and the people that work for you just what what you're willing to do right and i think that's you know i i i've been really fortunate too i think that most of the people we work with are really genuinely nice people. I, when we first got into gaming, I was thinking, oh man, is this going to be, you know, kind of an abrasive type clientele, very kind of, you know, um, short and sweet, but I, I found actually the, the complete opposite, you know, ev- most everyone we work with is very engaging, very warm, very friendly. Um, and, and really they're the same way with their own employees and their own staff. And, and I think that's just such a great way to be. I think there's there's been this kind of misconception and in, in leadership that you have to be a hard ass or you have to be, you know, you have to be authoritarian in some nature. And and I think the complete opposite. I mean, I'm I'm very transparent with people that work for us. Um they obviously understand that that there is a dichotomy and there's roles, of course. And and that's a good thing as well. Don't get me wrong. That's very important too. But but also Um, I I feel that everybody feels safe to just talk openly about how they feel, talk about challenges, talk about suggestions. You know, I've never claimed to know any uh, everything and all and everything. So it's important to get that feedback on how can we do things better. And and really doing that without an ego is the most important thing. Right. It's like my job is to grow the business. My job is to facilitate, you know, employee happiness and growth. You know, it's not it's not about Nathan Green at all. It's about new level radio and how can we kind of build this brand and, and build this company. So I, I always try to remember that. I mean, everyone has an ego, whether you're just an employee, a person, a retiree, or a CEO, right? So that that that's always part of something that we all have to deal with. But um, I really think it's important just to kind of to lead with kindness, to lead with um, engagement, and, and lead with growth. Let people know that, you know, there's a lot of room for growth at this company, whether it's um, expansion, full-time, part-time, just working a couple hours a week, whatever someone wants. So I think that's good when people feel valued. Absolutely. So um, we're getting towards the end of the,
0: uh, of the time here. Um, were there any topics we missed here? Anything, it, how, how can people get in touch with you if they, if they listen to this and they, and they want to reach out?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Number one, thanks, thanks for for reaching out to us. Uh, always, always thrilled to obviously chat about what we do, and 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 it's always fun to kind of engage with people and shoot the breeze. So I, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, yeah, it's really easy to find us newlevelradio.com. Um, my name's Nathan Green. You can always email info at newlevelradio.com for any information. Our website is a great place to get in touch with us. So. I'm always happy to chat about business, life, or anything in between for sure. Well, we'll put all that
0: information into the show notes here. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I
1: appreciate it.